Good morning. Title of the sermon is Living All In. In Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, God expects each one of us to have an all-in moment, an all-in heart. And you think about life. And I really believe the more valuable something is to you, the more intense that all-in moment is. You know, Robbie shared about an all-in moment last night. You know, when you get down on your knee and you offer the ring, that, that is an all-in moment. You know, and every time I hear somebody share their story about how did it happen and what, what did you say and what did you do, I, I think about my all-in moment with my wife. And I, I remember getting down on my knee in this park and it had this kind of green belt and it's in the place where I'd asked her to be my girlfriend and I got down on my knee. It was my all-in moment. And then like 50, it felt like 50, it was probably three, but it felt like 50 little kids come running around the corner and start playing right in my all-in moment. You know, and you don't want to be like, beat it, this is my all-in moment, go do something else. You've got a whole park to play in, you don't have to play right here while I'm on my knee. But I remember as Angie was sharing it at dinner afterwards about, you know, like how it went. We're like, and what did he say? And she goes, I, I don't even remember what he said. I just, I said yes. You know, it would have been a totally different story if Robbie gets down on his knee and he offers the ring. And she says, oh, hold on, somebody's texting me right now. Hold on. Uh, you know what? Can, can we have this talk another time? Because I'm busy right now. You know, I got things going on with work, and I got this going on, and I don't feel all that good right now. And, you know, I'm just not really in the mood to deal with commitment. Can we have this talk next month? Like, how, how do you think you would have felt? Probably just about how God feels. When God says, I want you all in. Come follow me. Come give your whole heart and your whole life. You know, when God is like on his knee and he's offering up his son. Then we're, thanks. 
hold, hold on. Got to, you know, got to post on Facebook. Twitter. Hashtag Jesus. God, can, can we have this talk another time? I'm kind of busy right now. You know, when you think about life in those terms, you go, uh, all in as a Christian is the only thing that makes sense. Because it's a relationship. You can't have a good marriage if you're not all in. You can't even have a good, meaningful friendship with somebody unless you're all in. Because as soon as somebody miffs you, if you're not all in, you will walk. You know, all in bonds. That's point number one. That's why God expects us to be all in. Because he knows that's what's going to make it meaningful. That's what's, that's what's going to bond the two of us together. And God got on his knee and he offered to us. You know, when we finally get there and say, okay, I'm all in. God's been waiting for us. For a long time. We're not the initiator. God has been on his knee with the cross handed to us for 2,000 years. Begging for the heart. Now all in is bonding. That's why why we look forward to going to San Antonio. Because we're going to meet all kinds of all-in hearts from all over the world. And so the fellowship and the singing is going to be awesome. Not because we speak each other's language, but we're all in together. That's why at midweek, on Tuesday night, even on a school night, i got to stand up there almost every Tuesday and go, Parents, go get your kids. And you're like, yeah, but I'm having an all-in moment right now in the fellowship. And like, yes, and we want our kids' kingdom people to be committed volunteers, but they didn't commit to be all-in raising your kids. It's like we love the fellowship. We love to talk. Why? Because all-in is bonding. You know, Mark chapter 14 I thought about this woman in Bethany and her response to Jesus. And she heard Jesus was there. And she came in, the Bible says, with a jar of very expensive perfume and broke the jar and poured perfume on his head. Verse 4. Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly leave her alone said jesus why are you bothering her she has done a beautiful thing to me jesus felt bonded to this woman he's like man that's awesome but what about the other guys what was their problem well see they weren't all in and so when you're not all in but somebody else is 
You don't relate to them. And you think what they do is weird. You don't feel bonded to them at all. You think they're over the top. But Jesus said, no, leave her alone. She's done something beautiful. You see, when you're all in, you want to be committed. You want to sacrifice. You want to leave everything behind because you are so bonded. But when you're not all in, life becomes a have to. What do I have to do? I mean, you think, you think about that heart represented in academics. You know, you can either attend school or you can give your heart in school. Two, di- two entirely different approaches. Both go to class. Well, most of the time. How about as an employee? You know, when you're the owner of the company, you're all in. But an employee can just put in their time. The heart is different. Yo, the military. When you join the military, there's an all-in moment. And I don't remember if it's if you sign at the recruiter or when you show up to boot camp. But there is an all-in. Maybe more than one all-in moment. But if you're, if you're going to put your life on the line, you, you've got to have an all-in moment. When the bullets fly, you're not going to be a good soldier if you're not all in. The army knows it. Your spouse knows it. And God knows it. And that's why Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom. Because you can attend church without your heart all in. And Jesus says, all in is where it's at. It is the minimum expectation. All in is bonding with one another. Point number two. All in makes you leave and cleave. Famous marriage passage in Genesis 2. Adam and Eve are created. And Adam's fired up about Eve. And God says, hey, this is my plan. You're going to be joined together as husband and wife. And it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. You know, if you're going to be all in, there's certain things you've got to leave behind. Because you can't be all in with everything. By definition, I am fully committed to everything. No, that it, life doesn't work that way. You can't be. You have to pick and choose. There's a lot of things we do that we're not fully committed to, but that's okay. But our Christian life can't be one of those. we got to be all in. In John chapter 5, look look at what Jesus says. Now, he's, he's talking to some Pharisees here, and they had issues in their life. They're being critical of our Lord, and that's never good. But look at what he says in verse 44. He says, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? 
You know, if you're, you're all in as a Christian, one of the things we leave behind is people-pleasing. Because what we focus on is pleasing God. You know, you, you can't be a people-pleaser and a God-pleaser. Jesus says it doesn't work. It says it will block your faith. If you want the approval of men and women with how you live your life, if, if you want them to feel great about your values, your schedule, your sacrifice, and everything that you consider important, it says it will block your belief. But when you're all in with God, what becomes most important is what decision will make God happy. Okay, that's what I will do. You know, and I, I, I thought about uh, Robbie and Angie as they were sharing their story. You know, six dozen roses. Like, that's just not something you do unless you're really fired up about that person. And at that moment, what he was thinking is, I, I, I want it to be the perfect moment. I want her to say yes. I want her to be happy. Say, like, do we live that intensely? Thinking about God. When we get up in the morning, okay, today, I've got all day to make God happy. Okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to start it? What's my quiet time going to be like? What am I going to read with God? What's my conversation with Him going to be like? What's my worship at church going to be like? What's the fellowship afterwards? What's my Bible study going to be like? Well, you know, how's it going to be? I mean, I just want it to be the perfect day for me and God. You see, when, when you are that passionate about a person, we leave certain things behind. Because we want to make God happy. I want you to think about your life and how you live. Not the theoretical answer, but the real one. How do you live? What's most important to you? When decisions are present in your life that people dear to you disagree With what God tells you to do. Do you justify it? Or do you boldly live the way that God calls us to? You know, when we say Jesus is Lord before we're baptized, we're, we're saying, I, I am leaving and cleaving. I am cleaving to you, Jesus. You are everything. You are Lord of all. I leave my former way of life behind, my people-pleasing behind, and I am focused on being a God-pleaser. You know, I think about an area in, in my life where I find the most battles, and this, this is in my own brain. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 
verse 5 through 8. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. You know what James says? Is that... If we're asking, but we're full of doubt when we ask, we're not going to receive anything. We're double-minded, we're unstable, and all we do. Now, the context of this point is leaving and cleaving. So where are my challenges? Leaving my thought process behind. Leaving my way of doing things behind. You say, well, where does this come into play? Well, when life doesn't make sense, If I wouldn't do it that way, if I think it's unfair, if I don't like it, if I'm afraid, if I think God isn't going to answer, no, that's my way of thinking. But we, we can't be all in and hang on to our way. You know, as a minister, I study the Bible with a lot of people. And the rubber meets the road at that moment in time where people figure that out. Because a lot of people, they, they come to church and they start studying the Bible and they think, this is awesome, I'm going to change my life, I'm going to do that. And then you really get into the Scripture and you go, well, wait a second, like, I need to do that? Yeah. And you go, but... If you want me to do that, basically what you're saying is my whole life needs to be turned upside down. Exactly. You see, it's not about playing church. It's not about attending. It's not about reading the Bible every once in a while. True lordship puts Jesus in charge of everything. And you can't bow the knee to Jesus without giving up my way of doing things. Without a doubt, the greatest challenges I face in my spiritual life are right here. You know, external things, they can be a challenge too. But what goes on in my mind is the biggest challenge. You know, the Bible just doesn't mince words. It says, he's double-minded, unstable in all he does. That's how God views doubtful thinking. I believe doubt, unbelief, faithlessness is the most minimized sin in our life. Oh, everybody doubts. Yeah, I had doubts. Now the Bible says that's being unstable. It says you're not going to receive anything. Because faith is a decision we make to trust. And saying, I will leave my way, my thinking behind And God, I will go with what you say. You know, imagine what if, uh, you know, Robbie, down on one knee, got the ring. Angela Nicole Bird. Is that your middle name? Okay, I remember. Will you be my wife? What if she said, well... 
Okay. Mom and dad got to live with us. And all future decision making must have mom and dad's approval. And if you're willing to do that, then I will be your wife. I think Robbie would go, um, hmm. We need to have a chat. <laughs> yeah, there's an expectation. Of that, the yes means that you're all in. And together we're going to do this. And yet we, we understand it in that context. But don't you find yourself trying to justify that way of thinking with God? God says, I want you all in. Okay, but um, let me bring this along. And let's filter Christianity through this process. But as long as that's okay, then Jesus can be Lord. You find yourself justifying things like that? Oh, we got we got to leave and cleave. Jesus, he wants what's best for us. It's life's going to be awesome, but we've got to leave our way behind if we're all in. And point number three: life is fearful and fun. When you're all in. You know, without being all in, life is boring. Now, if you're in the midst of turmoil, boring sounds pretty good right now, doesn't it? You're like, oh, I'd love a boring day. <laughs> yeah, now we think that, but as soon as we live a boring day, we go, oh, gosh. Maybe tomorrow will be more exciting. You know, life becomes meaningful. Life becomes exciting when we have something on the line. It's so much fun. But it's fearful all at the same time. Because when you have that moment, you have no idea what you're going to face. You don't know what life's going to be like as a Christian. There's like this universal fear of people who are contemplating getting baptized. And, and they, they think this. They don't always verbalize it. But I want to make sure that I am going to be, you know, really awesome as a Christian forever. And once I know that and confident of that, then I'm ready to get baptized. So let me translate. Once I don't need any faith at all to live the Christian life and can do it completely by my human sight, then I'm ready to get baptized. We go, no, 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 no. No, I'm not saying that at all. Yes, you are. There's not a one of us that knows what the rest of today holds or tomorrow or the week, or the month, or the year. We don't know what life's going to be like. We don't know what life's going to be like when we become a parent. We don't go, well, once I know exactly what parenting my kids will be like, then I will decide to have them.
have no idea. God says we must live by faith. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible about, you know, stepping out on faith is over in Matthew 14. Jesus had taken the disciples uh, away because John the Baptist had just been killed. They wanted some alone time, but the crowd found them and they ran around the lake. And Jesus fed them, taught them. And uh, Jesus makes his disciples get into a boat and sends them on ahead of him. And in verse 25, it says, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, as I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the uh, boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You know, there's a lot of different experiences that happen right here. You got Jesus, and I think Jesus was fired up and kind of chuckling to himself during this whole experience. But he knew that they're all in. So he said, okay, this is going to be a fun one. He said, all right, Peter, get out of the boat. And Peter gets out, walks on water, you know, sees the wind and the waves, down, starts to sink, Jesus saves him rebukes him a little bit. Then they get back in the boat and everything's calmed. What do the people in the boat say? Wow. Truly you are the Son of God. You see, because when you see somebody living all in Christianity, it is inspiring. You know, I'm excited to go to San Antonio. Because I want to hear the stories. Stories from all around the world about what? Getting out of the boat. Because it will be one story after another, after another, after another, after another. Why? Because it's encouraging. Now we get together for leaders' meetings and we start with great new sharing. We go, hey, tell us what great is going on in your ministry. And we'll, we'll sit there and people just raise their hand and raise their hand and raise their hand and the whole group's fired up. Why? Because all in moments are inspiring. And you hear it and you go, man, that's awesome. That encourages me. I want to do something great. You know, so often we focus on Peter. And we should, because he walked on water. And that's pretty awesome. He had a great moment. But class was in session. And the other 11 that were chicken, they worshipped. 
They got inspired. They got motivated. Why? Because of what Peter did. You know, one of the greatest things we can uh, share with each other is inspiration. Because there's just times in our life when we need it. You see, and that, that's the great thing about being all in. As there's plenty to go around. Because there's no plan B. There's no back door. I'm here. You say, I'm having a rough day. That's okay. Because he's not, she's not, and he's not, and she's not. Steal some of their faith. That's, that's one of the great things about marriage. is If you're having a lousy day, then your spouse can help you. Yeah, you just hope that you don't have lousy days at the same time. good when you have good days at the same time but not lousy days you don't want to you know do that but you know mutually committed people can help raise the bar life is most exciting when god gets our whole heart is there any part of your heart or life he doesn't have right now you say no he does because I've been baptized. Well, you know what? These 11 were following Jesus, and they were in the boat, but they didn't get out. Listen, let's not be so self-righteous to think that because we've been baptized, our heart and our mind is still exactly where we need it to be. Our commitment can weaken, and we can start holding on to part of our heart instead of giving it to God. Just because your relationship with God was great last week doesn't mean it's great this week. But it's one of the things we have total power over is how much of our heart and life we're going to give to God. Was he an intrusion or does he define it? It's bonding. It puts our life in a different plane, a different category. It gives it meaning. If you think your life is boring, you need to hear the sermon. Yes, it's kind of mundane. It's not exciting enough. You're not giving your whole heart. If life's become a have to, you're not giving your whole heart. They say, I don't feel close to God. You're not giving your whole heart. But you can give it before you leave. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. Make decisions today. The greatest joy is found in living all in. It's where God wants us to be. If you're there, stay there. You don't know how many Texas Hold'em players we have in the audience. I play, but I'm not any good. But you know something I was thinking about? That when you play Texas Hold'em, it requires an all-in moment to win. You can't get there without it. You say, I'm just conservative. Then you can never win. You know, Christianity is kind of the same way. And that's why we can sound good. I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service. 
He says, no, you got to go all in. It's the only place the cross is found. And I really pray for each one of us to live that way because life holds its greatest glories when we live all in. Amen. Let's stand as we close in a final song.